You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Astroline. The official off-season show of your Houston Astros. Carlos Correa, the hero. Let's talk Astros baseball. Call 713-212-KTRH. That's 713-212-5874. And it's gone! George Springer goes yard. Live from Plucker's Wing Bar on Shepard. Now KTRH Astroline. We are live at Plucker's Wing Bar, downtown Houston at 1400 Shepherd Drive. Welcome to Astroline, everybody. It's an unbelievable show tonight. A lot of people in the house, and it's a big one. I'm Steve Sparks, one of the Astros radio broadcasters, and we've got a special guest, of course, Astroline, brought to you by the Carbock Brewing Company, and we're happy to have perhaps future Hall of Fame Major League Baseball player Jeff Bagwell. Baggy, thanks so much for joining us tonight. It's a big special night for us, number one. But uh, thanks for being here, man. It's a lot of fun. Good to see you. Good to see you, Sparky. It's uh, it's great to be here. But I was telling my wife on the way over, I haven't done one of these things in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I was invited or I was or I said I couldn't make it to Jamie I'm sure. I'm sure you were invited. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm giving Jamie a hard time about that. So you and Milo, I'm sure we're doing some shows. Yes. Milo, of course, uh, originated this off-season show for the Astros. Uh, what was that like back in the day? Where were you guys at when you were doing Astroline? Oh, God. I think we've done it in a few different places. I forgot the last one, um, but that was special doing it with Milo. Um, yeah. You know, I was with Milo for so long, my entire career. Such a special guy. He really was. Uh, yeah. He's, he's sorely missed. Um, yep. A big, big part of our franchise, uh, the voice of our franchise uh, for a long time. Absolutely. So, yeah, it was just a pleasure to be around him. And retiring this year, too, Bill Brown from uh, <laughs> for the, from the uh, television side. Tell me what your, your memories are of Bill, who, who did it so well for so many years. Well, just for one, how special of a person he is. Yeah. He's just a good guy. Uh, always fun to be around. Um, very professional, uh, but yet fun, too. So, yeah. you know, that, that's what makes it nice for players, as you know, you know sure. to, to be around guys uh, that make it fun, that can laugh and laugh at themselves and laugh at me and all those kind of things. So it, it, was, it was a special time. We're here with Jeff Bagwell. Uh, Baggy, I don't want to drown you with all the Hall of Fame talk, so we'll talk probably in the first a little bit uh, segment, maybe a little bit at the end. But, uh, you know, we're getting at the doorstep two weeks from today. They're going to announce the uh, uh, the final tallies of the Hall of Fame vote, and it looks pretty favorable for you. What's that mean to you? I mean, is it getting a little tense for you, or is it looking like I just want this over with? No, you know what I, I said earlier, too? I'm anxious. Yeah. Um, to be honest with you, I, I haven't got in six times before. Right. Um, didn't really expect to even be in the mix last year. And then this year. All, really? With you all, didn't yeah, expect to be I in? I did not. Wow. I did not. And then all the buildup this year, um, it, it, it's something that a lot of people, you know, have been texting me and calling me. My family's obviously sure. excited. And I'm, I'm excited, but I'm just anxious. You know, I just want, you know, the 18th to show up and see if I get it or I don't. Yeah. Are, are you kind of anxious for the Astros fans because you know how much it means to them? I am, and I was saying just earlier, um, <clears throat> until you till you get to the induction, you really don't know how big you are to some people. Yeah. You know, we live in our lives, our private lives, and our kids. Just and, regular. And just regular. Yeah. Same problem, paying taxes, doing everything the entire right. world. But then when you get there and you see, you know, Craig get up there and with all the Astros people walking down the streets, and since we've changed colors back, I guess, yeah. to orange again, yeah. it's not hard to miss. 
That's uh, right. And, and it, it was a huge turnout. It was. It was wonderful. It was stifling hot. But, but, it was, but you were there, and you understood what that meant to the Astros fan base and what it meant to the city. And that, that means a lot to you because this is your home now. It is. Um, you know, I laugh I, la- I, I laugh with Lance Berkman a whole bunch. He, now he says I'm a Texan because I spent more time here than I did in Connecticut where I grew That's up. That's right. More than half your life you're yes, a Texan, right? I have. And uh, it, it is special. It, you know, just the people have been so nice to me yeah. and uh, very respectful. And even when I stunk, they were respectful. Yeah. Um, but uh, it, it really has been a special thing for my family and for me to live here in the city and just just to p- see people come out and you know it's it's just wonderful. I want to say this, Baggy, and I'm not trying to kiss up or anything, but when I talk to people, whether it be the security guys out at the baseball park, or it be the clubhouse guys, or it be fans, or reporters, or whatever it is, they always had an affinity for you because of the way you respected them. You had patience for people, and you, you gave people time, and I think that's why it means a lot to a lot of the Astros fans. Well, I mean, I look at it as, as much as we were entertainers out there. Right. But everybody has a job to do. Yeah. Everybody's a person. Um, to, to try and act like you're something different than a normal person, except that we play baseball, Right. I think is ridiculous. But as busy as you get as a baseball player, what made you cognizant of the fans and in aware of how much your uh, patience with them and, and, you know, staying late, signing autographs, doing all those things. How, was it your upbringing? Was that, was that a lot of it? Yeah. I mean, my father and my mother obviously have huge influences uh, right. in my life. But I just like people. Um, and, and I appreciate the fact that they would take the time up to come and ask for an autograph or just to say cool. hello. And that's what Houston is very, very special is because they don't really generally ask you for anything more than just a handshake. Uh, acknowledgement, um, whether it's eye contact or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I, I just think there's special people in here in Houston. Talking with Jeff Bagwell, we're listening to Astro Line, brought to you by Carbock Brewing Company. And, Jeff, you mentioned your parents. And they were athletes in their own right. Your dad pitched at Northwestern, and he was a good semi-professional baseball pitcher. Threw you a ton of batting practice. with a rag arm, too, right? Oh, yeah. What was that like? You had two pretty good athletes as parents. You were an only child. I, I'm sure they pay, placed a lot of their focus on you. Oh, they did. Um, my father threw a ton of batting practice That's to a, me. Yeah. And he was tough on me. <laughs> he told me when I stunk. Um, now, my mother takes the, all the credit for all my athletic ability. She, did, I mean, I she played softball I in her am. 20s, right? She was good, too, yeah. Yeah. And she, so was they, were they pretty hard on you when you were a kid? And you played a lot of soccer, but you played baseball was prevalent in your home. Right. Well, just like most families, your dad is always the toughest one on you. And then yeah. if you needed a little love, and you got to go to your mom. <laughs> uh, so I always had that. My, my mother is very, very special in my life, as it is my father. University of Hartford, not, not exactly a baseball hotbed. Right. Yeah, you guys had four guys from your graduating class uh, uh, sign as professional uh, baseball players. What was that like playing there? I mean, obviously the weather stinks trying to play early in the season, but how, how did you try to get noticed? I, I know the Cape Cod League was big. That's the biggest one. Yeah, yeah I, I, got, I got very fortunate to ask to go play in the Cape Cod after my first year in college. I mean, my junior year in college, we only played 31 games the entire year. So I got noticed when I was in Cape Cod. Yeah. Um, but we had a special team back then. Uh, those guys are still friends of mine. Uh, we talked a bunch, and obviously they're a little excited about what's coming up. But, oh, yeah. Uh, so you keep in, in contact with a lot of those guys. What I about do. Bill Dennehy? Is he still alive, your coach there? He is. I don't know where Bill is right now. Yeah. Uh, at one point he was down in Orlando, and then he moves around. But uh, he was the one that got me there, so I owe him a ton. He got you in the Cape Cod League. 
Now, Bill Dennehy was on the same rookie card with Tom Seaver. Do you know that? Yes, I did. That's know how that. I knew Bill Dennehy's name because I have Tom Seaver's rookie card. Tom Seaver really? was a big, I was a big fan of his. But in your household, not a lot of games. TV wasn't saturated with a lot of Major League Baseball. But weekly, you guys were, were locked in, and you growing up in Connecticut, and your parents growing up in the Boston area, all Red Sox. Every single one of them. That, I mean, you, you knew all you those talk, guys. You didn't talk about the, the Yankees in my household. No, but the, the Red Sox. Who was your guy? Was it Carter Yaz? Yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, what, what was so special about Yaz is, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the entire world. Right. Um, but he got every ounce out of his body. Did uh, you know that at the time? I, I guess I did. Yeah. I mean, I just saw it. I mean, obviously, he was one of the best players. And yeah. I used to try and hit like him. Uh, of course, I hit right-handed. He hit left-handed. <laughs> so it was, I don't know. But uh, he... He was my favorite player, and my father's favorite player was Ted Williams. Mm. So it was pretty cool. And then when I was with the Red Sox organization, I was taking batting practice in a double at Double A in, in spring training, and I had Ted Williams and Yaz behind the cage watching me hit. My father almost passed out. <laughs> How intimidating is that? I mean, Ted Williams is outspoken enough anyway, oh, yeah. but you have your your childhood idol out there watching you too yeah. with Yaz. I mean, that had to be crazy. It was. It was something special. But, you know, when you're a kid back then, you're like, oh, <laughs> that's cool. But Talk about two extreme batting stances, though. Yaz stood straight up and down, held the bat a lot like Craig Council, like yep. he was climbing a rope. Man, where, where did you come up with your batting stance? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, really? You have you no know, idea? I, I started spreading out when I was in, when I was in college. And yep. then when I got to the minor leagues, I liked um, Don Mattingly a lot, yep. and he used to stand up a little bit and then kind of crouch and do, and do that. So that worked for a while. And then first, my first three years, I just I tinkered with everything. And then finally in '94, first three years, oh, in the major leagues, yeah. wow. And then finally, when I got into the uh, my fourth year, I just decided to spread out and see what happens. And then somehow, some way, that stamp showed up. We're talking about uh, some of your home life a little bit. When you got traded to the Astros, you were coming out of Double A with the Red Sox, and you had a couple of guys blocking you with Scott Cooper and Wade Boggs on your way to the major leagues. Devastating, though. None more so than your grandmother. Oh, my whole and family. She was a huge Red Sox fan. Oh, yeah. What did she do when you told her? You had to make that call, right? Yeah, to everybody. My, my mother was crying. My father was. <laughs> my father was the only one that said, "You know what? This might be a good opportunity for you." But my, grand, my grandfather, my grandmother, the sweetest angel in the entire world, yep. but, um, they took in his drive. But see, I was making the progression. I was playing in Double A, which was in Connecticut, yeah. and Pawtucket was you know, all around home. It, yeah, and then hopefully Boston, and then I get shipped to Houston, and no, we didn't understand what Houston was back then. You know? I like your dad's reaction. Your dad acted like he did some research and said, "Hey, Caminiti only hit 247." I right? swear that's exactly what he said. <laughs> because I think he got a chance because he had to come pick me up in Albany. And you, if people don't know, you were a third baseman yes. coming up through the minors. But I'll tell you the good story about Cami too. So I go to spring training. I'm sitting with my dad because you know I played a few innings, and then I sat in the stands to watch. And Cami, I think he went like, I, I, you know, we say he went 11 for nine. So he went like nine for 11. Yeah. And my father turned to me and said, "Well, Tucson's not that bad." <laughs> So he, he had an inkling that Cammy was yeah. a little better, but Cammy ended up being a great teammate. And it was a great year for you. They obviously moved you over to first base, and you had a like a tutelage session playing in minor league games, major league games, and spring training mm -hmm. to, to get your bat in the lineup. And uh, we had a question from the, from the audience. Camille Butler uh, on our staff here has a question for you from one of our fans here at Pluckers Wing Bar. What do you got, Camille? All right, well, we're super excited to have you on the show tonight. Great crowd with some great questions for you. But Grace out of Houston wanted to know, other than winning the Rookie of the Year award, what was one of your favorite memories from your rookie season? Um, 
well, I do have one, and I'll try and clean it up for the uh, show. <laughs> We're sitting in um, Atlanta the last three games of the season. Were they we, Yeah, we started there. There was about 5,000 people when I first came. At the end, the whole entire place was packed, and I, literally the ground was shaking. And I was sitting here. And on usually this, that place was a morgue, right? right. Nobody but there. Now it was packed. Yeah. And so I'm sitting here, and, and Casey Candell sitting next to me, and I, I'm sitting there, and I'm going, man, this is awesome. And he said, I'll see how I can say this. He said, you, he goes, you uh, idiot, whatever sure, you want to yeah, say. He goes, this is what it's all about. Yeah. And that's when I, that's how Casey was a big part of my growing so you, up. So you realize that for the first time. By the way, if people don't realize, that was the only year uh, in your major league career that you had a sub-500 record as a team. Yeah. And that was a, a kind of an eye-opening experience for you. When you guys went to Atlanta where the team was drawing about 10,000 early yeah, in the season, you guys showed up, and the place was rocking, right. and you realize, hey, this is what it's all about. Well, that's what Casey basically told me, because, you know, your rookie year, you really don't know what's going on. You're right. just out there playing, trying to fit in, trying to see if this is what you can do for a living. Right. Um, so it, it was special, and after that, you know, we continued to get better. Listen to Astral Line, brought to you by Carbot Brewing Company. You can submit questions via Twitter at hashtag Astral Line. Danny Ferris, our social media coordinator, will get to those and hopefully get some of those in with you. Uh, Jeff Bagwell, he's the one here. We're listening on KTRH, 7.40 a.m. here in Houston. You can also call 713-212-5874. We're going to be right back with three more big segments for one of the greatest Astros of all time, Jeff Bagwell, right after this. Amanetti was going. It's sky to left. Deion Sanders at the wall, and Bagwell has his first Major League home run. Jeff Bagwell has delivered. And the Astros lead it now, 3-1. to one. Oh, what a relief it is. Who has wanted so much to help this ball club and get himself established in the big leagues. And that is a big one. Jeff Bagwell gets his first Major League long ball, and it comes with two outs in the ninth inning to snap a 1-1 tie. Welcome back to Astroline, segment two with Jeff Bagwell. Brought to you by Carbot Brewing Company. Of course, next time you're looking for a great IPA, please remain calm. Carbot's Hopadillo IPA is loaded with hops from around the world for the perfect citrus character. Carbot Brewing Company is right here in Houston, Texas. And that call was by Bill Brown and Larry Durker with your first home run uh, off of Kent Merker. Uh, and you were one for two for 18 at that point, and was probably pressing just a little bit. I mean, I know that's a small sample, but going up there late in the game, it's one to one against the Braves in the top of the ninth inning, and you connect. What a what a feeling that had to be! As like, hey, I'm a big leaguer now. Yeah, it was it was interesting. My teammates were great, uh, as they always are. You know, give me a, a fake ball. Yeah, they did the whole thing. They yeah. put nowadays we didn't have as much money, or then we didn't have as much. They put towels up going to my locker. <laughs> had three beers where they were waiting for. Taj Mahal. Yeah, but uh, it was neat, uh, obviously. So I mean, you go into that rookie year, and I don't know what kind of expectations you had coming out of a Double A season where you were the MVP of the Eastern League. But I mean, to come out there and bust it the way you did, and you were the rookie of the year, you had to you had to surpass some of your expectations. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I, I thought I could hit a little bit, um, but never did I think that that was going to happen. Um, right. You know, so uh, once again, I mean, I had great teammates, um, and we were all in it together. You yeah. know, we started out with Scotty, 
and Jimmy Deshays, those were our, our veteran guys. Sure. And, you know, Cammy only had about three and a half years in. I think Beige was around two and a half. So everybody was kind of young. Um, so we were all trying to find our way. Uh, mm-hmm. But we did it to, We did it together, and uh, it was fun. And we were getting better. I mean, we did lose a lot of games, I think 97, I think. Um, yeah. But uh, we had a good core. If you look at that starting lineup, there's some pretty good players there. In there. there really is. But when you're talking about that many young players, Jeff, how did you guys create a culture the way you did? Because you didn't have a whole lot of examples of, of guys to watch. Where did that come from? You know, I'm not sure. Um, I just think that all the guys that we had, they just they played hard. Yeah. Nobody was entitled to anything. Did you guys keep each other accountable even back Oh, yeah, then? for sure. Wow. I mean, you know, for me, I was scared to death of Cammy. <laughs> um, you know, and, and then Biz, you know, was behind the plate at the time. Yeah. Casey Candell, I was scared scared of. Really? Yeah, but just I mean, he was a freak. No, nah, he just he just knows baseball. Oh. Um, great baseball guy, and still a great friend. Uh, but we just, like you said, we're all in it together, and you know, we battled every single night and just having a good time. That's cool. Hey, submit questions via Twitter. We want to get the fans involved at this Astro Line show. You can go to hashtag Astro Line. Danny Ferris. Our social media coordinator will get with some of those questions. And, and we've got a lot of questions, and, and I want to hit uh, something about your 94 season. So you get to 94, and you're a few years into your big league season. I saw quotes from you, Jeff, talking about it. It's just one of those years where I started looking for pitches, and I got them, and I didn't miss them. And I mean, it's, the, it's the way yeah. it looked. I mean, you look at your stat sheet, and I know it was a shortened season with the strike. What a remarkable year, and it had to be almost a, a dream world. Yeah, it was um, it was ridiculous, really. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I was still getting more and more hits. I mean, I wasn't going to catch Tony Gwynn at the time. Right. But who uh, hit 390 that yeah, year? Yeah, right? 394 or something like yeah. that. But uh, but you hit 367. Is that right? Yeah. But everything just went right. Um, my stance was normal. Uh, I didn't deviate what do you mean, from normal? my I don't know. I didn't change it very much. Like I said, that's when I spread out. You stayed with the crowd. I stayed with it, and uh, it just worked out. And you know, I, like you said, I, I mean, if I guess. 3-2 three, three slider, I got a 3-2 slider. Um, you know, 1-0 change-up, stuff like that. I mean, I got it. And if I did get it and it was a good spot, I, I hit it. What did that stance allow you to do? I mean, it looks like it probably slowed you down because it, it probably eliminated part of a stride where it kept your head still. Yeah, but that was good. I, yeah. I, I oh, yeah. That. Um, no, what it, what it did is it kept my head still. That's mm-hmm. the entire thing. Because if I'm, if I'm moving up and down, then the ball's going to move up and down. But without any weight going forward, how do you generate as much power as you had? It's hitting, hitting is all your your in between your knees and your you know below your, your chest. Hips. Yeah, that's that's all a hitting. So that's all you need. You don't need to be going forward. So what was the sequence? Because when you were in that wide stance, it looked like you, you your stride even went a, a few inches backwards. backwards. So is that well, when your weight, hips would fire? But that's weight shift. Because that's going to put a little bit of weight in your back leg. Wow. So there's your weight shift, and then everything takes care of it after that. Do you know anybody else has done that? No, I mean, I've watched Albert Pujols. I might never compare myself to Albert, but right. Albert doesn't take a stride either. Jimmy Evans would just pick up the heel and go down. That's what Jimmy but did. Nobody went backwards. I know. And people come up to me all the time and say, when did you learn how to do that? I said, I'm not trying to do this. It's crazy, man. I still can't get over it. Well, this is Astroline, the off-season show of the Houston Astros. Join tonight's conversation with with Baggy by calling 713-212-5790. This is KTRH, 7.40 a.m. right here in Houston. And Baggy, talking about that 94 season and the culture with the Astros, you and Biggio will always be uh, together. Maybe one of the best tandems ever in baseball, but certainly of this Houston franchise. You guys 
respected each other, maybe a little bit different in your personalities. Is that fair to say? Oh, very fair to say. Yep. But, but what you guys but did, you not kept playing baseball, though. You guys played hard. That's what we did. You and ran the what, bases hard. And that's what the Houston Astros culture was. And you guys posted up. Yes, every day. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's what we did. We we played it the way it was supposed to be played. And Craig says that a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, we ran hard. We popped the ball up. We try and beat the ball up to the ground at second base, um, first to thirds, all that's, those kind of things. We just we just went at it. So your stolen base, you had 202 stolen bases. But what everybody talks about, not so much the stolen bases, and it was a good percentage too, but that you were a great base runner. And I'm, I'm thinking that's first to third scoring on singles from second base at two outs. But when you're talking about great base runners, I'm assuming in your eyes it starts with the situation in the game. you got to know the situation of on course. when to take chances. But what does that mean to you to be a great base runner? Well, I mean, I take great pride in that. Um, I wasn't the fastest base runner. Right. But as I talked about Casey Candell, he taught me how to cut bases. Uh, what was the key to that? Dropping that left shoulder? Well, yeah, you got to hit the inside part of the back and you actually use the base to push off. Mm. Um, you know, and so you're not rounding out toward the right. outfield. Yep. Base running is a mindset, and it's what can I do to make this better? If anticipate. I'm on first base, you anticipate if I see an outfielder go to a certain way with a ball, uh-huh. it's going to take him probably, you know, seven out of ten, eight, eight out of ten, he's not going to be able to throw me out. So you take that chances. Where did those instincts come from, though? I mean, you learn some of that stuff, but it's got to be instinctual a lot of the time. Well, I think there is. I think a lot of it, like broken bat hits, yep. just listening to sound. You know, if you can hear, you can hear when a ball is hit well. And sometimes you can see backspin, sometimes you can see topspin. So you got to know where your outfielders mm-hmm. are. Um, and just like I said, it's it's a it's a mindset that if I go first to third, the next guy on deck, all he has to do is hit a fly ball. Yeah. Two things happen there. We get a run, and the dude that just hit the fly ball feels like an he, RBI. And it's a, it's a good day for him. Gets more and no at-bats. Yeah. That's right. That's awesome. Well, you're talking about spins. Talk about the spin differentiation from when you were in the minor leagues playing third base going over to first base. There's a funny story I love hearing the story with your rookie year when Ozzie Smith gave you a little toot tutelage uh, when he was leading off of first base about how to play your backhand. But what, that, was, that was a big adjustment, right? It was, because my backhand, that's the hardest part, because yeah. when you play third base, it's your, four, your, your, glove, your left. Yeah, your glove hand. Yep. So I, I told him when he got to first, he goes, how's it going over here? I said, <laughs> well, I don't know, I said, I'm having a, kind of a problem with the backhand. And he literally, at a pitching change, is showing me how to get the ball out in front instead of getting it back here. And, you know, after the game, I was starting to think to myself, I mean, I just got a fielding <laughs> lesson from Ozzie Smith. <laughs> he just went to Ozzie camp. Yeah, I mean, during a, during during a game. pitching chase. Yeah. And he's trying to help you to be his own team. Right. Well, you can tweet in your questions at hashtag Ashline or post your comments on Facebook at Astros. Diamond Dreams Gala, that's a special opportunity for you Astros fans. The second annual Diamond Dreams Gala will take place on Friday. That's Jan- January 20th, the spectacular Evening will feature a live performance from legendary singer-songwriter Diana Ross. Benefits from the gala will support the Astros Foundation and New Hope Housing. Visit astros.com slash gala to buy your tickets today. Talking with Jeff Bagwell, who had five managers as a Houston Astro. Your first manager, of course, was Art Howe, and one of the fan favorites, and just a, like a dad, I would imagine. But your five managers couldn't have more uh, of a range uh, of personalities out of the match because sure. you had Terry Collins, you had Larry Durker, Jimmy Williams, and Phil, Phil Garner. Garner. You know, what sticks out most to you with five different managers? Um, First one, Art Howe. That, well, that's or, a perfect way to come in as a big leaguer, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, it's probably one of the nicest humans you ever meet. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Artie was great and had to – basically, he was our dad because we were a bunch of young pups trying to find our way. And, yeah. 
did a great job. And, you know, to me, sometimes I wish he could have stuck around a little bit longer. Sure. But he did well managing, though. He went to the A's. And Jerry Collins, you know what? Sure. He was my manager with the Angels, too. What was that like having a guy that didn't play in the major leagues on a team of a lot of guys that uh, uh, were had a little time in the big leagues? Was that a little rough for you guys? It, no, not for me. Um, of course, I had him in 94, so he didn't have much to yell at me about. But right. But, no, Terry, and he'll tell you to this day, you know, when he managed us, he was a little raw as far as, you know, if Mike, if Mike Hampton came and he walked the first guy on four pitches, he'd be screaming and yelling at, right. know, in the dugout. Yeah, and, really high strung. And the dugout is very close to the field in, in that part. You know, there's no down or anything like that. You're yeah. right there. And it uh, rubs off. Yeah, and, it, and that was tough. Um, but I love Terry. And, you know, I saw him in spring training this year, and he came over to say, say hello to me. I mean, mm-hmm. he – He's a class guy, and uh, I really enjoy playing. He is, and he's changed a lot too. Yeah, I mean, that's I, my I, whole I, point. Yeah, he wasn't that. He wasn't there. He then. learned from that yes. some, some of that stuff, and he seems like that fatherly type of guy, like Art Howe is now. What was what was it like to play for Dirk? I mean, he came out of the the <laughs> broadcasting booth and came sure. down there, and he's a legend. Yes, I mean, he is. he's a he's an Astros legend. What was that like to have him? Dirk was wonderful. I mean, we had a very very good veteran team then, uh-huh. um, and he just let us play. You know, there was no steel signs or anything like that. We, we did whatever we wanted to. Let you guys police yeah. each other. Uh, we were pretty good at it. Yeah. Uh, and he, he was great for the pitching staff because he was a starting pitcher. So he wouldn't yank a guy out in the sixth inning. Oh, no. Yeah, that. he let those he guys go. go. He just let them go. And, you know, I think that really benefited our starters. What was it like playing with some of those guys that you were playing with at that time? I mean, you're thinking of Craig. We've talked about Craig. But Moises Alou, uh, Daryl Ward, and I know Brad Osmus it was a, a great friend. Talk about some of the nucleus of the guys that you played with that uh, really started taking this team in a different direction. Well, I think everybody, you know, bought into how we like to play baseball in Houston. Mm-hmm. Everyone. I think everybody in the route around the league knew that too. They did. They didn't. You yep. know, they didn't. You couldn't just lollygag for a you know a ball into the outfield or anything like that because we would take second base. You know, guys like Moises, who's one of my closest friends. Sure. Um, honestly, I, there's a few people that I would want up there. In a big situation, uh, Moises would be one of them. Yeah, he could relax. Uh, he's and come 50 through. years old now. I bet you can still get two hits. <laughs> um, but we we just had a close knit group. Um, mm. You know, from our hung back, out together yeah, off the field. Our backup catcher Tony Eusebio. Oh. He was wonderful. Yep. I mean, he wouldn't play for a week and still get two hits. Uh, so it was it was just a, a, a joy to play with those guys. Caminiti. I mean, you came up. Uh, he was the third baseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously. Uh, a lot of people miss him, and I got a chance to work out with him some in the off seasons too. A genuine, sweet guy. Uh, what was it like uh, as a teammate with him? He was a selfless guy. He always, he was, everything about him was the team, wasn't it? Yeah, he uh, he was one of the first guys that got me when I when I came over here, and I was supposed to take his job, so that that was kind of weird, and it was kind of neat that he would actually take the time out to actually care about me. Um, he did everything. That's good character right yeah, there. Yeah, he was, and he could play, and everybody knows how great a third baseman he was. Bill Brown told me a funny story about him, that you'd have to tell him something at Coors Field because the way the sun would set at Coors yeah. Field, he's over at third true. base. You're over at first base looking into the sun mm-hmm. early on in the ball game. What would you tell Cammy? I told Cam, I went over to him, and, you know, he kind of looks at me funny like, he, like he's going to kill me. And he's got a cannon anyway. Yeah, but, that, but he threw a softball, though. It wasn't hard. Oh, really? Yeah, it, came hard but it was soft yeah and that's hard to explain but now i get it more yeah, spin creates yeah, it like create a softer spin. feel right so i said cam i can't see the ball <laughs> i said so here's the deal if you get a ground ball one hop me 
and he looked at me kind of crazy, and I said, I promise you, if I miss it, I will go straight to the press box and say it's my error. <laughs> and I swear it you happened. You just didn't in, want to get busted it, in the face. Yeah, and it happened in the first inning. One hopped it, we got him, and that was it. He really? I swear. You got the out. Yeah. That's crazy because you see guys over there, and I'm sure Todd Helton dealt with it. I don't know how he did it. I talked to him all the time, but he wore sunglasses, and I just couldn't, I couldn't see. Uh, it's just glaring. I think I missed two balls. One of them cost us a ball game, so uh, that wasn't fun. That's scary. Well, Camille Butler uh, has a question for you from our audience right now. Camille, what do you have? This is coming from Larry, who's also out of Houston. He wants to know which pitcher, American League or National League, did you hate facing the most? Um, I know your worst stats against one guy. <laughs> Sullivan? No, Scott Williamson. Really? Is that the guy in Cincinnati? The guy from Well, the then there must be two of them. Over 24. No, I think that was was it Sullivan? Sullivan. Really? 0 for 24. 0 for 24. I couldn't hit him. I have no idea. I mean, he struck me out a few times, but no matter what, I couldn't hit him. And Dusty Baker would have him up in the seventh inning every time. And, <laughs> and I'd sit there and I'd look, and I'm like, okay, here he comes again. And it wasn't like I was scared. I was just like, okay, I'm not getting any hits. And Dusty, he'd be laughing at me when I was walking up. And even Dirk, he would sit there and go, you sure you want to hit? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I said, come on. So everybody's like, bunt. I said, I'm not bunting. So as soon as your numbers got to about 0 for 15, everybody knew about it. Yeah, everyone. And I, it's just that nasty, just sidearm Pac-Man sinker. But it, yeah, and the sidearm slaughter, and I just yeah. don't understand it. But that's the way it was. That's funny. Well, everybody's got those guys. We're gonna have a break right here, halfway point of our show right now. You're listening to Astro Line 2017 Astro season tickets are on sale right now. Enjoy some of the best seats at Minute Maid Park. Save money and receive great benefits throughout the season. Call 1-879-ASTROS or visit astros.com. Slash season tickets to get your seasons today. You're listening to Astroline live from Pluckers Wing Bar in downtown Houston. We'll be right back. Line. Steve Sparks here with Jeff Bagwell. Jeff Bagwell may be in the news here pretty soon. Two weeks from today, they will announce the Hall of Fame voting. And right now, Jeff, it looks pretty good. I mean, obviously, you don't want to put the cart before the horse, but almost 40% of the votes in, and your vote voting totals are above 92%, I believe, as of this morning. And uh, where does that put you with your family? I mean, everybody in your family probably getting into this right now. Are they starting to watch? Your kids are starting to uh, monitor things? Yeah, everybody is. Um, I'm getting texts all the time and saying, you're here, you're here. I said, man, there's a long way to go here. <laughs> you don't want to be updated right now. You just want to kind of just, like, relax, uh, no, I think, keep your mind uh, off of it? I will tell you, though, this, this is the first year that I've actually looked. Paid attention? Yeah, paid attention to it a little bit. But I also know how it works. I mean, you got 160 votes in now, and there's 400 and something. So there's a long way to go. Yeah, uh, and usually right down at the end, it seems like there's a little bit of a dip because there's a margin for error. So I understand you don't want to get too excited, but the the chances of something like this happening is is rare. I mean, obviously not a whole lot of guys, very small percentage of guys in your position get a chance to be even considered to be in the, the whole thing. What would that mean to you? Well, I mean, I, I know it doesn't define you, Jeff. No, it doesn't, but I can't lie. I mean, it, it'll be huge, you know, mm-hmm. to know that you're in the Hall of Fame, that you can't personally get any higher than that. Right. Um, except I've seen, I played with a few players that might need to have been a little bit higher than that. <laughs> Maybe right. Pujols and Gwen and all that. They needed <laughs> to be up there, Cabrera. 
but uh, it, it would be very special. It'd be special, as you know, I talked about for the fans. It'd be special for uh, the Houston Astros and you know my family. It, it obviously be pretty cool. It would, and it would be big for a lot of people here in the Houston area. And obviously, with Craig going in a couple of years ago, it's a huge deal for the city and obviously for the organization. And when you're talking about this organization right now, it seems a lot like some of those teams that you're playing with in the 90s. I mean, there's a lot of buzz going on around with this team. And I know you follow this team. Uh, pretty exciting. Good young core, and now they're starting to build around it a little bit. What, what strikes it's you? A, it's a fun group to watch. Yeah. Um, and to me, they can get better. I'm talking about the young kids that, you know, everybody talks about. Springer and Altuve, he's pretty good. Yeah, um, Correa, Correa can get better. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you saw Bregman for a small taste. Though. I did. I liked him a lot. Yeah. I like his swing. I, you know what he is? He's a baseball player. He is. He would fit in with our group in a heartbeat. He's like a little rat. He I mean, is. He's there, there at the field very early. Yeah. I mean, he's he's trying to soak it all in. And you know, the addition of Carlos is going to be huge. Um, so I, don't, I don't know how people think about that, but I watched him about play. That. I mean, you played with Carlos Beltran. Well, and, and, that's so funny. I played with him in, uh, 13 years ago. Yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> that's ridiculous. And what an impact he made then. But uh, he's still – he was an all-star last year, Jeff. Yeah, and, and he also has the ability to, to mentor and teach guys how to win. He, he does. Uh, great person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's big. You know, he'll help those guys out a ton. And, you know, with his hitting now, I watched a lot of those last games against the Rangers. He pulls the ball a lot. Left-handed and right-handed, uh-huh. and that's good in our ballpark. Um, that's a good point. But he can also hit to all fields. But he hit 290 something last year. Very smart. It looks like he looks for pitches. Yeah. You know, and he's patient. And but he's he's soft though. So he's he's all right. He's going to be a big big help. Um, you know, obviously, the, you know, I love watching Gaddis play. He's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just entertaining to watch. You're one of his favorites, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the whole club, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Uh, I haven't seen Reddick play that much. Um, he, he's a grinder. I he mean, you're going like to love it. him. I think this Houston fans, I mean, the guys that like you and Craig and, and some of those guys are going to love Reddick. He's in that same mold. You know, bottom line is, as you know very well, it's come down to our pitching. Yep, Dallas has got to be healthy. McCullers has got to be healthy. healthy. Yep. Collins going to do his deal. Um Bullpen solid. Bullpen solid. Musgrove pitched well at the end of the year. Um, we, we might we have a chance. And it seems like with the ownership of this team, you played in a different time. It seems like this ownership's ready to win. Jim and, is, yeah. And, you know, so and that makes a big difference. And you know what that difference was in 1998 when you guys got Randy Johnson. You know, what a shot in the arm! I can't even imagine what that felt like for you guys on the offense. <laughs> we were in ten and one with the one two six, I believe ERA. It's I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, he, he was sick. Uh, you know, he's just scary anyway. You know, I don't, we didn't know he's from Seattle over there. And Big, nasty mullet. He comes in. He pitches the first day he gets to our, our, ball, yeah. our ball club. Where is that? Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, he was special. He really was. And that team, that 98 team, that was the best team I played on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately, we got beat. You know, had to play yep. two out of three games against Kevin Brown, which wasn't real easy. That and uh, Shadows in San Diego. Shadows, yeah. Sterling Hitchcock. Yeah. But that's an excuse. But... We, we, were, we were a great great team, and I think even that year, the Yankees had so many wins. I think with our left-handed pitching, um, I think we would have had a chance. I really do. Back to the question, though. What did Randy Johnson mean to you guys? What did that make you feel like? It, this was it. We were going for it. Mm. Um, you know, Randy just he just changed the whole ball club. Um, you know, and it was so fun because, I mean, we go out and we'd win 10 nothing, and then we'd win 2-1 to because you know, yeah. our pitching staff was great. Yeah. Uh, we could hit play defense we could do everything except win obviously (laughs) 
Okay, yeah. You were the first recipient of a very special award that was established in 2003, the Daryl Kyle Award, and obviously most of the Astros fans know Daryl. You and he came up to the big leagues in 1991 together, and here's what the Daryl Kyle Award is, and you know this very well, Jeff. He's a good teammate, he's a great friend, a fine father, and a humble man. I mean, that obviously exemplifies Daryl Kyle very well, but I think that's what you strive to be as a, as a man on a daily basis as well. Yeah, I do. Um, you know, Daryl was very, very special to me. Yeah. Um, I miss him. There's not one day I don't think about him. Really? Yeah. Still, every day? Every day. Wow. Um, he just, I mean, he left us, and then when he went, to, he went to Colorado, and then when he went to Cardinals, and you asked those young pitchers, you know, Matt Morris, even Wayne right at the end, you know, Daryl was the guy that taught him. And he, you know, he kept the tradition of playing baseball, pitching, doing the right things as a teammate. A wonderful father. Unreal teammate. Uh, great father. Yeah. That's what strikes me is when everybody talks about him, and I've heard a lot of and seen a lot of quotes, everybody talks about what a great father and husband he was. Yes, he was. And I know everything about him, and he was both. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Flynn's doing well. The kids are doing well. Uh, it's uh, it really way before his time. Um, and that one that one eats at me every day. What was that like the day you guys found out? I mean, obviously very emotional, and you went out there and got that game winner. But I mean, it just probably just felt like it was soggy. I mean, I mean, you just felt empty, didn't you? Uh, I'll tell you the story. I'm in my uh, daughter's room playing with her before I was going to the game, and I got a phone call in the, in the room. So I picked up the phone, and it was Moises. Mm. And I said, homeboy, wh- why are you calling me? You got a game in like 10 minutes because it was like a one Where was game. he? He was in Chicago. Okay. And he goes, Daryl's dead. Brutal. I said, come on, man. He says, Daryl's dead. So obviously that went. And then, you know, I didn't get to the ballpark till late. And, um, you know, everybody was just devastated. Just, it, it was just the most unbelievable feeling I've ever had in my life. Uh, and there were so many guys that were still part of that group of oh, yeah. that Astros team that were, you all were best friends. Yes. You guys knew each other's tough. families and kids and everything. Oh, yeah. Can't even imagine. Well, you're listening to Astro Line. Uh, live from Pucker's Wing Bar right here in downtown Houston. I'm Steve Sparks. I'm here with Jeff, ba- Jeff Bagwell. One more segment. We'll be right back with Ashline. Make sure that you mark your cal- calendars. Fan Fest is right around the corner. Join the Astros on Saturday, January 21st from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Great day. If you haven't been to Fan Fest, you got to get out there. Activities include running the bases, bullpen throwing sessions, and much more for the whole family. Admission to Fan Fest is free, but... Be sure to claim your vouchers at astros.com slash fanfest. Back more with more Astro Line right after this. Doug Drabeck, Casey Candell, the late Daryl Kyle, who, who's, who's a gamer, and Ken Caminetti, who's one of my best friends. And then there's this other guy that's up on the wall, number five, Jeff Bagwell. Baggy. You're an unbelievable the way you play the game, teammate, and a friend. We both better players because of each other. To have my number retired next to yours is not only fitting, but truly an honor. We stood next to each other for so many years. We had a great ride, and now we stand side by side forever, my friend. I love you, buddy. Fifteen years, I couldn't have had a better teammate. Of course, that's Craig Vigio, 1998, when their numbers were retired, talking about being teammates for such a long time with Jag, Jeff Bagwell. And 
names were synonymous with greatness here in Houston for such a long time. And do those words kind of choke you up when, when you listen to your buddy? I mean, you guys fought and played <laughs> played and ragged each other and, and went through ups and downs for such a long time. But to hear those words and to know how much you guys meant to the city and to each other, I mean, it, it goes a long way. Uh, it's special. Um, you know, Craig is, you know, I, I, I mean, it's amazing because it's true. I mean, we spent 15 years together. Uh, you know, neither one of us would have done what we could have done without each other. Right, yeah. Um, and, you know, he, he's a special man. Uh, I've known his family ever since I've been here in yeah. Houston. Um, watch his kids grow up. Uh, what a unbelievable player he was. Um, he just, you know, he went out there every single day. Got hurt one time in his career. Got taken out at second base. But he was out there. He was a gamer. Craig played hard, and he was, you know, like you said, I mean, we both wanted to win. You know what? We were talking about Daryl Kyle last segment. You know he never missed a start in his career? I did not know that. Isn't that crazy? I mean, talk about some of you guys that were just out there posting up and playing hurt and just going to war for each other. I mean, that was what you guys embodied. Yeah. What was that like as a member of the Killer Bees when they had that – you know, the bees playing in the PA system at the stadium. But just knowing you guys were just a lethal offense and had a lot of guys out there banging with, it was fun. with Derek. I mean, you yeah. guys were crushing. Sean Barry, yeah. yeah. It was uh, it was fun. I mean, you know, Craig started it off and we finished it. <laughs> you know, he'd, yeah. he'd get on base, steal a couple bases, and then we finished it. And uh, it was fun. It was the maturation process of the, the organization from our era. Um to, you know, where we ended up into a World Series and stuff like that. And I think these new kids, like we talked about, are, are going to bring that same level of... Same type of core yeah, guys. Yeah, they are. I mean, they're, they're fun to watch. They are. Oh, you're listening to Ashline, brought to you by Carbot Brewing Company. I'm Steve Sparks with Jeff Bagwell. Danny Ferris, our social media coordinator, has a question from Twitter. What do you got, Danny? Yeah, uh... With 15 years in the bigs and four all-star appearances, was there ever a player that you were starstruck by when you met him or played against him? What about at an all-star game? Did you go to an all-star game and get scared to talk to somebody? No, I did not. Now, I, I, there's one guy that I still am scared of. Uh, that's George Brett, who played for really? Kansas City. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I've you known him it? forever. I saw him first time I, I was in spring training. We went to play golf. Uh-huh. Um, at Grand Cypress. Yeah. I saw him in there after, and I saw I, I almost wanted to go in another room because I couldn't handle myself. <laughs> really? And t- to this day. Is it because he's a loud talker? No, he just, he's he embodies another, he's another guy that embodies what a baseball player is. Yeah. I mean, watching him run out of the dugout and, you know, arguing about his bat, how much pine yeah. tar he had. I mean, he just was a baseball Loose player. Loose and carefree. But he is the nasty. nicest, greatest guy. Yeah. And he will actually come over to talk to me, and I'm like, yeah. But he uh, <laughs> couldn't handle it with George Brett. Yeah, the, and the first time I, I I met him, we were in spring training, and I walked, and George was playing first base because his knee was messed up. Okay. And I'm running down to first base, and I'm looking, I'm going, oh, my God, there he is. And he, he comes and he grabs my pant legs. They call you baggy because of this? And I'm like, no, I don't think so, Mr. Brett. <laughs> Mr. Brett. Yeah, he's, he's special. What about uh, going to an all-star game? Did, did you ever get a, a moment? Or how about early on in your career when you faced a pitcher and just said, I cannot believe I'm facing this guy right now? Remember uh, any of those early in your career? I had those sometimes. I faced Dave Winfield or Manning uh, or somebody, and you're just was, going, oh, That was scary, you, Dave Winfield. Yeah. Heck, yeah, it was. Um, now, the, the guy, you know, if you talk about a pitcher, the guy for me who's a good friend of mine is Roger Clemens. Mm. Um, you know, I was a kid uh, from a Boston guy from in yeah. Connecticut, and Rocket was the biggest thing in the entire Heck world. Yeah. And next thing you know, he's my teammate. Yeah. Um, 
you know, friend of his family's. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty neat. It's so, surreal. Yeah. Uh, Camille Butler out here in the uh, audience out here at Plucker's Wing Bar has a question about future. I mean, it's something that you dabbled in early, but what do you got, Camille? Right. So the question is, do you ever see yourself coaching or being a part of the Astros staff in the future and contributing on that different level, continuing off what you've already done as a player? I mean, yeah, I would like to um, do some stuff again with the Astros. Um, being a coach is diff- very difficult. A lot of people don't understand it. A lot of time. Uh, you're there from – these guys nowadays are there from 11 o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night, and you got to go on road trips, so you never see your family. Uh, and, you know, I, I – I have five kids and a wife, and I like seeing them, you know, so it's a lot of time. But there's other things that I can do in the organization that I think I could help. Um, you know, and I, I believe the organization. You know, we talked about me being a Red Sox fan, but, mm-hmm. I mean, bottom line is You're an Astro. I'm an Astro. You're an Astro. That's what I am. Through and through. And I can never imagine anything else. So um, that part of my life, we'll see. But uh, I, I would like to get involved a little bit again. Jeff, I think people would like to know, what's your daily life like now? I mean, obviously, you talk about your kids getting up, taking them to school, I would imagine, picking them up from school activities. Have you coached some with with your kids and I things have. like that? Yeah, Yeah, I, I did for a little bit. Um, I coached uh, my son Max in baseball, and that was, that was a hoot. I mean, he was like six or seven. <laughs> it's the best. And I just laughed the entire time. Oh, I was best. probably the worst coach ever Yeah. because um, I just laughed and had fun with the kids. But, mm-hmm. you know, most of the kids, you know, I, I try and stay a little away a little bit and just be a fan more than anything else. Yeah. I don't want to put any added pressure on them and stuff You're like that. You allow them to have fun. Yeah, I do. But my daily life is just like everybody else. Take them to school, um, hang out, maybe work out a little bit, wait for them to get back home from school and go to practice. You know what? Your, your daughter, Bryce, said something last year when you came pretty close to getting in. And Mark Berman shared this with me before the show today. He said, you're a Texan now. This is your daughter talking to you more than half of your life, but she also said that, you know what, you didn't get in the Hall of Fame this year, but you're a Hall of Fame dad to me, and that had to probably just slice your heart wide open. That Didn't that just mean the world? It, it did. Um, it sliced my heart, but it also made it very joyous to think that maybe I am doing something decent. That's awesome. Um, and just for have your kid maybe just say something like that, and that was not like a script from her heart, and that's what was wonderful. Well, from 1991, Jeff, to 2005, 2,150 games, and I don't want to go through all the stats, but their Hall of Fame credential, uh, great job. Uh, It's very worthy of all this consideration. We've got our fingers crossed. We thank you so much for joining us tonight, and uh, hopefully uh, be able to uh, touch base a lot more. These fans are very excited, so thanks for coming out today, and uh, it's been a real been a real pleasure. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Thank you all. You got it. You're listening to Ash Line. I'd like to thank Matt Boltz, our producer and engineer. Also, our studio engineer, Bob Elliott. Thanks to Danny Ferris, Lauren Blackwell, Camille Butler. You're listening to Ash Line. Be back next week. Robert Ford, a week from tomorrow. Thanks a lot, everybody. <laughs>